Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm Dan Burke and I'm joined today by Lewis Ambrose. Good afternoon. And Alex Mott. Hello. It's the international break, lads. Are we excited? <laughs> Are we buzzing? Buzzing. How do you feel about the international break when it comes around at this stage of the season? Uh, I find this less annoying than the September one because the September one is like you've like had two or three just games. Started, yeah. And you're not really, you're just getting into the rhythm of things. Coitus interrupts us. <laughs> a phrase that we were discussing earlier, isn't it? So. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, this one feels a little bit less intrusive. Yeah. In that sense, I guess. Alex, I, I feel like, like you're it. a bit more of an international um, pervert than we are. <laughs> yeah, pervert's the word. Um, yeah, I'd probably say with Lewis, really. The September one. Like I said, it does completely ruin the flow of the start of the season. This one, especially now where, you know, there's, what, four games left in, qualifi- in qualification. So there's a bit more riding on the games. It's slightly more interesting. But, um, yeah, I don't know why we don't just sort of pack it all into, I don't know, three weeks at the end of the season. I don't know, between like February and maybe one in February, one in May, I don't know, but yeah, it's, uh, it's fine. It is what it is, isn't it? It is what it is, yeah. Well, listeners who are interested in international football will be pleased to know that we're not really going to talk about it at all today, but we are <laughs> going to begin by talking about Arsenal's 1-0 win over Manchester City at the weekend. I'm sure you enjoyed that very much, Lewis. Uh, I did not. I waited long enough for it. <laughs> well, that's going to be my, uh, well, actually, no, my first question comes from a listener, in fact. I don't know if you saw this email from Yugeshwa, but he had a t- uh, an email, a question especially for you. Uh, he said, why are Arsenal so emotional as a team when it's clear to an, it's an outsider that it was very much their emotions that caused them to trip over during their title running no, last season? Why are you so emotional, Lewis? <laughs> Calm down. Yeah. I do think, like, firstly, I think it's something you can't really control anyway if you're, like... I don't think if people think it's the emotions that maybe cost Arsenal last season, I think maybe losing the best defender in the league was a bigger issue. Yeah. But if if like I know that was a thing Gary Neville was talking about a lot. Arsenal won games because of emotions last season as well. Like the yeah. Arsenal don't you don't get three, four injury time winners, I don't think, without that like big emotion, the stadium sort of really pushing the team forward. Um I don't know. Were, were Arsenal emotional? On, I didn't think and Arsenal how, were emotional. How often did you beat Man City? You know, it, yeah. you can't get emotional about yeah. beating one of your title rivals. Well, so. Yugeshwar is a fellow City fan, so I'm wondering yeah, if yeah, there's yeah. a little bit of sour grapes. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm sorry that Man City fans don't feel any kind of emotion <laughs> because they just win all the time. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, like you say, Alex. I think as well, we get caught up in this like oh, you bottled the title and you did this and stuff. And like as an Arsenal fan, last season I had so much fun. I've not enjoyed a season like that for yeah. such a long time. If I'd have spent, not that, not that my emotional state had anything to do with the title race, uh, but if I'd have spent, you know, and as a fan base as well, but have spent until sort of March, April, not being happy or excited about how things yeah. are going and then the team had collapsed I'd have been miserable for seven months worried that it was going to go wrong and then even more miserable for two months because it did go wrong yeah. instead I had a great seven months <laughs> and then a really really bad two months but I I don't know I, I feel like on Sunday Arsenal's emotions were completely well I, th- I think maybe the celebration police were a bit out in force aren't yeah. they? but I don't think the celebrations were that over the top either really and, no. and it wasn't Brentford at home yeah exactly yeah. I think City fans have got into the kind of rhythm of where we don't get too hung up on the sort of setbacks like nobody's really panicking 
having lost two games in a row because we've seen this movie before and we kind of know how it ends and like you know but at the same time we don't just sit there with our arms folded after every win all season yeah. and then when we win the league go oh now we can celebrate you know you've got to celebrate yeah. the moments it's, along the way it's not like Arsenal fans and celebrate because they think they've won the league yeah. or the players or anything I mean, if they, I mean if anyone thought that 12 months ago then they'd learn a horrible lesson and <laughs> never think that again <laughs> after April, May last year um, and it's like for Man City fans it's a compliment it's a really big deal for a football team to beat Manchester City because they're really really good hmm. so yeah yeah. My, my feeling going into the season about Arsenal actually was that maybe you would sort of wear yourselves out quite quickly by every game being so important and every moment being so sort of crucial feeling like that anyway that you would kind of like I don't know yeah like I said tie yourselves out a little bit I don't haven't felt that so far you, you seem like you're pretty chilled I would say I don't know I, yeah I'm not sure I think the the standard that City have set you saw it with Liverpool I think in the last couple of seasons Liverpool you know you draw against I don't know Chelsea and City have set this level where you yeah. think you need 95 points and you're a draw at Chelsea is a pretty good result but now it's like and it would have won you a title race like for many many years and now it feels like oh my god like we needed those two points and it, because you have that it's like City are just relentless and you have to be almost perfect to keep up with them yeah I'll come to you first on this one Alex what does this win mean for Arsenal do you think you know ending that run against City for of uh, 12 what was it 12 defeats sort of league defeats yeah. yeah. I think it's a huge hurdle isn't it I think just emotionally mentally I think they know that they can beat the best team in the world now and they should I wonder if I wonder if this international break has maybe come at a bad time for that. I think maybe they could have used the momentum of this Man City win to go on a bit of a run. So I wonder if that, that could be an issue. But yeah, it's huge. They yeah, Arteta will tell them that they can beat anyone now. So yeah, we said I remember us saying last week that it, this could be like, even though it's early, could be crucial in the season. And I don't know, I still think that. I still think that this yeah, it's a huge win for them. Huge, huge win. Yeah. I mean I'm sure the result is great for belief and will be great for belief and I'm sure you know you have full right to celebrate it were Arsenal that good on Saturday did they deserve to win the game thoroughly did they deserve thoroughly, to win the game like, at all thoroughly I, I thought know. I thought Arsenal would edged it as like the better team personally I thought Arsenal looked like the team that were going to score um, after Nathan Ake what, in like the second or third minute I, I, for the, I didn't for the next 87 minutes I wasn't too worried about Man City threatening or looking likely to score and I thought Arsenal, after Martinelli came on at half-time, added a bit of thrust. Yeah. I thought Arsenal definitely looked like the team more likely to make it happen. Um, I nobody would have had any complaints, I don't think, if it had ended 0-0 mm. either. Um, but if it was going to end 1-0, I'm a bit biased. But I think it went to the team that deserved it a little bit. Yeah, more. I think they slightly edged it, yeah. Definitely. Slightly edged it, fair enough. <laughs> what, what do you think, if the game had finished 0-0, what do you think our analysis of it would have been I'm so happy it didn't finish nil nil because we've just spent an hour talking about Kovacic wouldn't we yeah true <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, we had it was like with Liverpool Tottenham the other week and it's really nice to end a game yeah. and we're not talking about how a major possible screw up from the officials um, <laughs> ended up being decisive in the result because I'm sure we would have just been talking about that all week now um, yeah. which would have been horrible for everybody Let's talk about it anyway, shall we? Because that was pretty baffling, wasn't it? What? How's he not been sent off, do you think, Alex? Uh, is, my, is that Michael Oliver trying to maintain the spectacle a little bit and keep 11 I mean, 11 if, it, and not if, spoil if that game? is it, then that's a disgrace. Yeah. I mean, 
I really have no idea. Was it was it correct to give only a yellow for that first tackle? Well, I thought that was a sort of orange card. Yeah. I thought that was a dark yellow or a light red. <laughs> but yeah, it's I really don't know what you've seen there. It's um, it's a shocker, isn't it? Yeah. I was does, surprised that he wasn't sent off no, in the first totally. one. And it I can understand happen. why that probably isn't a clear and obvious wrong decision that's been made yeah. to only give a yellow card, but then to not give the second yellow. What did Howard Webb say that he... Uh, can you remember what he said? I think he said something along the lines of what you said, that he didn't yeah. want to sort of spoil the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, if someone, and that if someone punches help. the ball off the line in the first yeah, of the from, game, you've got to send them off. From, do you think what happened the week before has had any sort of like... Possibly, yeah. Had any sort of... What, the trip, the trip to the UAE? <laughs> <laughs> Trip on the paper. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, like you say, ruin the spectacle. If, if I mean, that's that's shocking if that is the case, and it doesn't help because I mean, the way Kovacic played, I'm not sure City would have been much worse off without yeah, him anyway, yeah. to be honest. He's uh, had, a, had a pretty crap couple of games put together. I thought City in general were quite poor at the weekend. Yeah. I would have been happy with a nil nil draw before the game, I would have been happy at about 60 minutes with a nil nil draw. Frustrating, I think that City didn't really go for it. I wonder if that was the Rodri. Absence playing yeah. on the back of the minds, thinking if we if we attack here, we're gonna, you know, leave the back door open and get beat. They got beat anyway. I'd sort of <laughs> rather they, they go for it in situations yeah. like that. I feel like Pep can be a little bit too conservative at times and a bit too obsessed with controlling games. I don't think we had any control of the game. Maybe there was a, there was a spell about ten minutes in the second half yeah. where we had the ball for a bit. So Apart from that, maybe like when Stones came on, yeah, I didn't really see an awful lot. But you know. Like I said last week, and like I said, I don't think it's uh, panic stations for City yet. I think there's more to come from them this season. It's going to be certainly makes things interesting. Are they still heavy favourites for the title? Do you think? For me, eight games in over the course of eight games, Man City are definitely the best team in the country. They've lost a couple of games without their. For me, they said we said it last week. They're probably their most important player. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't really miss games. Usually, he doesn't get himself sent off. He doesn't get injured. So. I, I still see City as massive favourites. Yeah. It'd be a big shock if they didn't win it, wouldn't it? I, still, I think that... Yeah. Would it? I don't know, really. Yeah. I mean, having, you know, three titles in a row, no one's ever won four no, before, have they? There's no, a re- probably sure. a good reason for that. I don't know. I mean, Liverpool are looking okay. We'll talk about this a bit more in a minute, yeah. actually, because what, what I want to ask is, uh, is this fixture between Arsenal and Man City a proper rivalry now? We had this conversation about Liverpool and City over the past couple of years. People said there's not enough needle in it. You know, there's a bit of a flashpoint at the end of the game on Sunday. Are they... Yeah, there's definitely a bit of needle yeah, I think, yeah. between the 22 on the pitch uh, and, and, and the dugouts. Oh, yeah, the dugouts. Yeah, yeah, the dugouts. <laughs> Get the set-piece coach involved yeah. and everything. Um, there's, there's definitely a bit of... I think it needs one more awesome. year of Arsenal... Going close, or yeah, yeah bit, and then maybe next season. It needs Pep and to fall out, doesn't it? Yeah. There's definitely That'd be too much It'd be great narrative that, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Erling Haaland zero xg in this game. I told you it was shit. That's, that's what amazing, a fancy way of saying he didn't take shit. William Saliba, you said he was the best defender in the Premier League earlier. I assume that's who you were referring to. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I think William Saliba's brilliant. He's been playing with a broken toe as well, apparently, uh, the last few weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Haaland was good, and I think Haaland's often not good and scores a hat-trick anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, not particularly you know, good or involved in, in general play. He's obviously good if he's scored a hat-trick. Uh, but I just thought, yeah, Saliba in particular. Gabriel Saliba, that partnership, I think, is really solid, but Saliba in particular, I just wouldn't let him have a sniff. I think mm-hmm. that... 
That, I don't know there are many defenders in the league that, that one where City looked to break in the first half and Saliba just ran straight into him and knocked him over. Mm. I don't think I don't think there are many defenders on the planet that could do that. And I think there are even fewer who would have the bottle to try and do that to Erling Haaland <laughs> and sort of send that message of, you're not going to bully me. In fact, have a yeah. bit of this. I don't know, when Arsenal signed him, there was a lot of people in France and, and then he went on loan a couple of times sort of talking about Arsenal maybe signing the next Van Dijk which I thought was always very very optimistic considering it was at a time when Van Dijk was being considered the only defender in a couple of decades worthy of winning the Ballon d'Or potentially <laughs> but I'm watching him lately and I'm thinking yeah maybe they weren't that far off like he yeah. looks like that sort of dominant all round brilliant presence when does Harlem become an issue do you think well it's an interesting question because I don't think he's crap I obviously you know, yeah. I'm not an idiot. he's got eight goals in eight Premier League know, games yeah. this season. I think it's eight and nine now, isn't it? But but uh, yeah, even so, you know, I don't think he's been in his great greatest form this season, and he's still you know scoring consistently. I think he misses De Bruyne an yeah. awful yeah. lot. De Bruyne, he misses. He's started the service at the weekend. I mean, I don't know. Does it does it take away from his claim to be the best striker in the world that he needs that service that he can't really create? something himself that you know maybe Kylian Mbappe might be able to in comparison is, is that I don't, and especially with the way Julian Alvarez is playing as well like he's mm. arguably been the best centre forward in the Premier League this year hasn't he like this season so far he's been amazing so I don't know I yeah I I do wonder when it does start becoming an issue for yeah. the whether they especially in big games if they can't rely on Haaland's goals whether he comes up the team I don't know yeah. Well, that's that's the one thing I guess I would say is like City have, have been great for years without a number nine. Like we know they can play that way. So if Grealish isn't on the pitch and De Bruyne isn't available, mm. like basically, who am I to question if Pep's got the guts? <laughs> but like, does he have the guts to drop Erling Haaland? Because if you drop him and lose. Yeah, everybody's going to go yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. you're, you're going to get murdered in the press and, and in the stands as well. But like you say, like they didn't create anything with him on the pitch, so yeah. it's yeah, I don't know. I, I, it would take a, it would be really gutsy to play a big game without Haaland and I can't imagine he would do it. But you do wonder would City have maybe created more without him on the pitch and playing yeah. in a slightly different way on Sunday yeah I mean it's pro- probably only sort of like January, February this year where people were saying oh was it the right decision for Haaland to go to City even after all the goals he scored you know and City weren't playing particularly it's still well. an unusual fit right? yeah it only takes like one bad game for him and it suddenly he's a bit of a problem so yeah let's uh, let's see how it develops so he'll probably score five against Brighton after the <laughs> <initial> break now <laughs> won't he <laughs> anyway neither Arsenal nor City are top of the Premier League at the moment because that is uh, that top spot currently belongs to Tottenham after their uh, unbeaten start to the season. Are they title contenders for you, Alex? And if not, why not? Um, no Europe to contend with? Yeah, I I don't... My instinct was saying, no, not yet. I've I've been a big proponent of Ange Ball on this podcast in the past few weeks. I really like him. Really like the way his team plays. I just... I don't know if they can do it over 38 games. I think, especially in his first full season, whether that's... His first season, that's difficult for the manager and the players but yeah they're brilliant at the moment and it's wins like that on Saturday that sort of if they are going to be title contenders that's they're the games that you need to win aren't they you know down to 10 men um, away at Luton obviously the home fans are up for it and yeah just squeak in come away with all three points so yeah I don't think so but I do I think 
in my pre-season predictions, I had Tottenham in like 10th. Right. Certainly don't think they're going to be finished in 10th. But, um, Man United yeah. have got 10th. Yeah. What's their place now? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think they're, they will finish in the top four this season, but I think they'll probably just miss out on the title. Yeah. So that'll be my, yeah, what I think. For you, Lewis, title contenders? <laughs> you you put it best this week. I think I read something you wrote oh. and you said... <laughs> Uh, a league table with uh, Tottenham at the top isn't worth the paper it's really good <laughs> um, I, I think that the same as Alex I think they're really good and they play really good football yeah. uh, but ultimately they got a bit lucky to beat they've Man been very fortunate they got a bit right, lucky to beat Man United yeah, yeah. they beat nine man Liverpool and their other four wins have come against the team a bit yeah. lucky yeah. against Luton at the weekend yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. so like United they were I think they could have been a couple of goals down before they scored. Liverpool were down to nine men. Their other four wins have come against teams that are 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th in the table. Like, uh, you know, I think we always you look at the fixtures and you think, oh, like they've got to play City a couple of times and Chelsea. Like, you know, you think of the bigger clubs, but actually, like you saw with Arsenal last season. If you're going to win, actually win the title, not finish top four, you've got to beat Villa twice, yeah, Brighton twice, yeah, Newcastle twice. And I think that's really, really difficult to, to pull off. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like I, I'm the same as Alex right now. I, like I think they were, for me, Arsenal and Liverpool. If somebody's going to compete with City, it's Arsenal and Liverpool. I think Tottenham will finish. Fourth. I do think uh, Van der Ven has been one of the signs this season. I think he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think Destiny and Doggy. Hey, Mickey, you're so yeah. fine. You're so fine. <laughs> <laughs> Destiny and Doggy looks really good at left back as well, and the new goalkeeper. I think he's a big improvement on Lloris. So yeah. If they are going to challenge, yeah, the defence is probably where they're going to be strongest. So mm. yeah, they, they look good so far. And Basuma, uh, they were not getting sent off. Oh, and that's no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, like it's one of the dumbest second yellow cards yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, cover, cover, I'd hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I watched uh, Super Sunday with our friend Joel uh, on Sunday and uh, after Liverpool's 2-2 draw with Brighton he said we've blown the title already oh wow I mean that's bollocks isn't it you were never in the title race yeah. mate there's a man you don't want alongside you in the trenches isn't it <laughs> waving the white flag straight away yeah Liverpool are in it aren't they or, yeah, of course they are yeah. like I, I think they've I'd, I'd have them I'd have them above Spurs right now I think in Liverpool their games with that midfield I think they're just going to be a couple of games like Brighton the other day where they look really wide open but for the most part they're going to blow teams away because they like they just throw everything forward and mm. they've got so much talent in the final third um, I think they need a little bit more from Darwin Nunez and Luis Diaz I think they are very reliant on obviously I know Salah's an amazing player but they are overly reliant on him I think going forward so yeah, if they are going to properly challenge, which I think they could, they need a bit more from those two. But mm. yeah, this was a great game, wasn't it? The Brighton game. Yeah. This first half, especially, was just like basketball. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and sorry, Joel, but in order to blow the title, I need to like, <laughs> be like favourites for the title. Like, we, can, we can say like Liverpool may, may be in the title race, but then they're nobody's favourites. I think, to be fair, I'm doing him a bit of a disservice there. He didn't say that specifically. He said games like that show today that we don't have the consistency required to win the league yeah. but again I think that's bollocks game. I don't think I don't think 95 points are going to be required this people season say, no, people, no. I, people say stuff like that sometimes like I think especially after a game and sort of you take sort of a grand conclusion from it but like you know people oh you can't you can't not win there if you want to win the league well Man City lost the Wolves yeah. and yeah. Arsenal drew it home against Fulham and we're talking about like well one of these clubs is probably going to win the league mm-hmm. so you can drop those points and still win it yeah, exactly, exactly. Rounded up the uh, the top uh, eight is uh, currently Aston Villa, Brighton, West Ham, and Newcastle. 
Who do we fancy to finish higher out of those four teams based on what we've seen so far? Because Villa are looking good for me. I, I was just going to say Villa, yeah. They yeah. had that wobble first. Is it first day when they lost to Newcastle? Yeah, five, yeah. Yeah. But apart from that, they've looked brilliant. Yeah. Newcastle obviously got the Champions League to worry about. That's maybe taken... I mean, the, the form's been good re- recently, but maybe that's going to take a and bit of toll. I do wonder if nights like PSG coming back down to earth from that mm. is, is a skill in itself mm. and it's very difficult. And I do... I mean, West Ham is a difficult place to go, but drawing two two isn't you know isn't the ideal result for Newcastle. So yeah, maybe yeah, I think Villa they look really good. Ollie Watkins back in the England squad, he just looks really good at the moment. Um, yeah, Nuno Emery is just a brilliant coach. I think. So, yeah, yeah, I'd say I'd say Villa. I think Brighton are quite a hard team to predict, aren't they? Summit. Deserbi's like, football's great to watch, but it's... it feels like there's something not quite yeah. right at the moment. The last few games, like I. I don't know what it, if it's a you know an element of the obviously Europe baked in now. Mm. In last season, it was pretty much the same eleven a lot of the time, uh, or, or maybe eleven of the same sort of thirteen or fourteen players uh, that would play. And now there's a lot of rotation. Uh, you know, Welbeck and Evan Ferguson and, um, and a couple of others that like sharing that role up front. Mm. Especially uh, the midfield is like it's a different midfield pairing every single week. Uh, I, I still fancy Brighton to do really well this season. I think I, I don't think it's just enjoyable. I think it's a really effective style of play mm-hmm. as well. I think it, it, they proved that last season. Newcastle, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to call. Um, I, I would, pro- I'd still fancy Newcastle, maybe Brighton, just above Villa. I do wonder how far Brighton can really get when they're conceding. 20 and exactly 20. that's what yeah it's, it's, it is amazing to watch but the real yeah, the real answer to the question who's finishing above all those teams is Chelsea yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well do you reckon to Chelsea have they got a, a resurgence in them is there something building there or we just I think you know, so I think yeah I think so I think it's it's a hell of a lot of players and I think it's going to take a while for Pochettino to figure out they did look good who he likes and who he doesn't I know like. Burnley haven't been great this season but they did look good and they've like, looked good a few times this yeah. season even when the result maybe hasn't gone their way I, I, I still think Chelsea are going to I think they'll be in the European places mm. come the end of the season I don't know how high but I, I think they'll be fine be a decent season for them wouldn't it yeah let's uh, move away from the Premier League now and chat a little bit of Bundesliga because uh, Leverkusen still going strong at the top of the table only seven games of course perhaps we shouldn't even really be looking at the league table that much uh, but do you expect them to maintain that throughout the season Lewis and kind of mount a title challenge if not win the title I mean you can't really expect anyone but by <laughs> to win the title in the Bundesliga can you but if anybody's going to give them a run for their money I think it's Leverkusen yeah um, I, I don't see them Dropping off too much. Xabi Alonso's done it right. Like he, he came in. They were horrible. They were in the relegations. I only came in. I think it was a year ago last weekend. Um, and they played. They did not play football you would expect from Xabi Alonso for the first few months because he just wanted to fix the defence. It was like let's keep things tight, keep the ball, yeah, but not really do anything with it. Uh, not definitely not threaten with it and just really compact and make games kind of horrible to watch again um, and once he's fixed that back line now he's just built and built and built on top of it you know all the way through the the team there's new signings this that have come in this summer um, the, you know the sporting director talked about I don't I can't imagine this is very common in anywhere in European football but he talked about 
uh, Grimaldo at left back, Xhaka in midfield, uh, Boniface up front, and, and Jonas Hoffman as, a, as an attacking midfielder. That um, they were their first choice in all four of those positions. So they came into the summer, they identified they wanted to fix or to improve those four positions, and each player was their first choice target in every position. Which to me is a bit mad <laughs> to like pull, to actually pull that off and yeah. not have to battle clubs. But that's a sign of a good, a well-run club, isn't a it? A well-run club, yeah. and and I mean, I can't imagine many players when Xavi Alonso picks up the phone or go, "Oh, actually, I'd rather go somewhere else." Like, yeah, I'll go play for Xavi Alonso, please. <laughs> and now they've got a reputation now for for him especially being a really really good coach. Yeah. So, if, like you say, if he rings you and says, "Do you want to come?" You immediately I mean, yes. Might have trouble keeping hold of him long term, though. Yeah, might be, I think there was that clause. This uh, there has been reports today. I can't remember where from actually, but Zidane saying he's in his contract. He's got a clause that says if one of his old clubs comes in for him, he can leave in the summer. Is it this summer or next summer? Summer I'm, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. yeah, so obviously buying Real Madrid or Liverpool, so yeah, <laughs> big names. You can see Real Madrid next, well, especially Ancelotti going to Brazil. You can see Real Madrid going in for next summer. Kind Bayern, of, so. if like if he runs yeah, Bayern for the true. title, Tuchel never lost very they just, anywhere. <laughs> they just look so well coached as a team. Every player knows what they're doing, and every player is improved. And that's you literally can't ask for anything. That's the job. Them. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> it's amazing. Like, 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 so, yeah, you literally can't ask for any more. So yeah, they look really good. Well, it's uh, Leverkusen, Bayern and Dortmund, the three unbeaten teams in the Bundesliga after seven games. Are we looking at a three-horse race maybe this year? I'd, I'd be surprised if Dortmund stay up there. Mm. Um, unbeaten, yes, but they've dropped points that they really shouldn't have dropped already. I think performances have been quite poor. Um, they've not really, they've not played. Like, you're like Leverkusen, you've had that litmus test. They beat Leipzig on the opening day. They went to Munich and deserved, probably deserved to win, but drew 2-2 there. Uh, you know Bayern have played Leipzig last weekend as well or the weekend before sorry uh, Dortmund have still not played Leipzig they've not played Bayern mm-hmm. they've not played Leverkusen they've not played Stuttgart who are on yeah. fire as well uh, yeah I think it's a lot of Dortmund have had a really nice start to the season and they've not lost and they've got points on the board but they've not impressed either and so unless they find something and things start to click uh, I think they'll be quite a way off yeah, I watched that cracking game on Saturday between Dortmund and uh, Union Berlin, our local team here. Uh, finished 4-3, seven consecutive defeats in four all two, comps. 4-2, four four sorry. Yeah. Seven consecutive defeats in all comps for Union Berlin. Now is this regression to the mean for them, do you think? I think a little bit. I think there's only so long that you can play that sort of backs-to-the-wall football yeah. and get win after win after win. Uh, you know, there's how many times in the last couple of seasons you've watched Union Berlin and they've scored in the first five minutes? Yeah, like, yeah. ball goes into the box, header, yeah, and it goes yeah. in. It's like, well, what if the header doesn't go in? And then they actually, and you know, I mean, it's easy to say that, obviously, but it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen that your first chance goes in every single game. Yeah. And it looks like that sort of stopped happening for them now. Uh, and when they're going to have to, especially you know, playing in the Champions League and teams are going to respect them more. Have they got it in them to like break a team down when yeah. teams sit off a little bit? I don't think so. And you know, the more that they have to put some focus on that, they lose a bit of that defensive solidity. Yeah, it's like I think they'll be fine. I don't think seven defeats in a row is indicative of the team they are either. Yeah, it's definitely two worst teams yeah. in the division. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, there's no way they're going to end up in yeah. trouble, but. I think the dream has sort of peaked with Champions League football. And Stuttgart after the international break as well. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Leonardo Bonucci scoring his first goal for the club the other day was nice though wasn't it from the penalty spot um, I didn't think so no you didn't think so but yeah <laughs> I yeah. did well nice but like he's had a pretty horrible start as well yeah um, and gave away a penalty on his Bundesliga debut so yeah. that's a strange signing for them isn't it like, uh, it's a strange signing for everyone yeah I, I really don't can't get my head around that like obviously it's amazing that a player like that's playing for Union Berlin but mm. is he like he's not at that level anymore really is he I, I don't know I, I wonder what the conversation was like to convince him to do that yeah. I wonder if he needed much convincing or if he just came to Berlin for the same reason we did yeah maybe yeah. <laughs> like, that's got to be a part of it right like to bring your family and yeah. stuff like it's got to be an attractive place to live yeah uh, yeah but they're not playing the big bucks are they like he was probably doing it for yeah I mean it? I guess they've offered they've obviously been able to offer yeah. Champions League football oh, as yeah, well true. but it, it's definitely is it just a one year deal he's got there or I think so be right yeah yeah well, let's uh, see how it goes for them in the coming months. Uh, I want to touch on a uh, player who announced his retirement earlier this week, Aiden Hazard, uh, after a, a great career that ended, um, I guess, in disappointing fashion with that move to Real Madrid, 50-odd appearances due to injury. Just wasn't the same player when he went there, unfortunately, was it? Real Madrid spent a lot of money on him. But, uh, yeah, sadly into a great career, you would say, one of the best players in the Premier League during his time, Alex? Premier League legend, yeah. yeah. Was it three times he won the PFA Premier League? So, yeah. Especially that last year at Chelsea, he was... Unbelievable, wasn't he? One of was it only four players that have scored fifteen and assisted fifteen in one season? Mm. Um, yeah, I'd. I think I might have him an all-time Premier League eleven. I must say, he was yeah, he was absolutely amazing when he was at Chelsea. Yeah, it's just it's such a shame that I was actually look watching earlier the uh, tackle that um, Mounier did on him in the Champions League when it was PSG Real Madrid. Very innocuous challenge, sort of just touched, you know, hardly ta- like didn't clatter into him. It was just like a yeah, very innocuous challenge, and yeah, that's that was his career done basically from that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really sad, but I do think he was a top player. Though like, there was reports that he, when he signed for Real Madrid, he had a, he enjoyed his summer, but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, enjoyed enjoyed that summer before he signed. Didn't turn up in the best of fitness. Like, he clearly enjoys the finer things in life, so. I'm sure he can. I'm sure he'll enjoy them a lot more. Than that <laughs> yeah. time as well. I miss that. That's he's a, a bit of a throwback, like yeah. that though, right? Like we're like I saw quotes from Joe Cole. I think earlier yeah. saying he sort of he should have won the Ballon d'Or if he had sort of the mentality of Ronaldo and and had sort of trained like a maniac and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, like, sure, if you want to criticise him for that, then go ahead. I think it's quite endearing that somebody was at times one of the most entertaining players to watch on the planet. Mm. Uh, like had end product as well, like to go. It wasn't just flicks and tricks, but end product to go with it as well. But without taking it that seriously, to me, like yeah, maybe Eden Hazard sort of belonged in the in the late nineties, maybe yeah, alongside yeah, yeah. Rivaldo yeah. And, yeah. And, and and that sort of with that big old arse of his served him well, didn't it? Yeah. Any uh, favourite Hazard moments you would pick out? Kicking the ball boy at Swansea. It's up there. Got everyone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that goal at Anfield was, yeah, I, that's unbelievable. Yeah. It was a League Cup game they played. That were, yeah, yeah, I think it's one of that six players. Didn't there was one against Arsenal, he ran half the length of the pitch um, and spun Francis Cockle in like a blade blade. <laughs> uh, you know, he tried to sort of take him down and just sort of rebounded off of him and flew into the air. Um, Did you say Beyblade? Beyblade, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one for the kids yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I just it was magical to watch when he was and on I, his form I seem to remember him was it Brazil against Belgium against Brazil in the 2018 World Cup I seem to remember him having a 
fantastic mm-hmm. individual performance yeah. that game in the quarterfinals. Yeah, he was a great player. Great player. He certainly was. Uh, speaking of great players, there's a, an interesting documentary come out on uh, Netflix this week uh, about David Beckham. Uh, Lewis and I have both seen it. I don't know if you've seen that yet. I haven't yet. Yeah, no, I will be watching it there. I would recommend it. I was, as a Manchester City fan, quite sceptical about watching it. A friend of mine said, no, it's really good. It is a great uh, trip down memory lane. It's basically a documentary of Britain in the 1990s. Yeah, like to a large extent. extent. Yeah, at least the period that he was at Manchester United and coming through and that kind of thing. As a a Manchester United, uh, let's say you're not a Manchester United fan as well, Lewis. (laughs) Did you enjoy it as much as I did? That's what I put in it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I'd like, uh, I mean, (laughs) I can remember, as you say, as definitely not a Manchester United fan, but I would go in the garden and the park and try to hit a free kick like <laughs> like he just sort of did I you ever know. succeed I mean <laughs> I thought I did at the time um, you know that sort of like unique technique of running side on up to the ball and wrapping his foot around it uh, I don't like not in my childhood in English football there were no other players who transcended what club you supported mm-hmm. like that I don't think um, certainly no English players uh, who did um yeah, and I think over time, David Beckham, the fashion icon, and David Beckham, the person, pop, not personality is probably not the word you... I'd say, oh, well, no, 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 his personality. You know what I mean, the yeah. personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think he's become really, really underrated as a footballer. Yeah, totally. um, Do you I think, think I was going to ask you that? Was, it, was he that good as a I player? Wa- I, I, wonder if, I wonder if now it's sort of gone the other way, where... His celebrity overtook his footballing ability a little mm-hmm. bit, so people underrated him. I think now people have sort of there's been enough distance where people have come around to the fact that actually, yeah, he was world class and mm-hmm. yeah. came fifth in the Ballon d'Or one year or whatever. And I do that Man United team like for years. He was one of yeah, the best players in the world. That Man United team, especially looked like the treble winning team and a bit before that, were basically built around his right foot and mm. Gary Neville backing <laughs> him up. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't like you, then they won everything so you know you, you don't be a bad player if, if that happens I think so. people look at people look at Beckham as well I think and I mean you can't get much flashier like obviously the fashion the haircuts the free kick like if there's one thing that you want a flashy footballer to be good at free kick and, that, and, and also, he made it his that own means brand. that because he, that happened as well it means that he had to back it up even more on the pitch right exactly that's what yeah. I was going to say like I think it's really he's really easy to reduce into this like good-looking guy who did modelling and took free kicks really well but like he the the work rate the defensive yeah, yeah, yeah. effort like that Champions League final he played in centre midfield because because mm-hmm. Keenan Scholes weren't there yeah. like I mean that in a 4 foot playing uh, centre midfield um, in a 4-4-2 that performance for England against Greece in 2001 yeah, like, yeah. this wasn't like and you and you see the documentary touches in on it as well and in that sort of working class background like this wasn't a guy who be honest <laughs> <laughs> but like he didn't have anything handed to him no. and uh. and I think as well you talk about someone like Roy Keane saying they never had a problem with the way Beckham sort of dressed and all of his off field stuff because he'd turn up to training and put in the hard yards and, and do everything like not maybe like in Hazard for example um, yeah I think like 
that sort of the other stuff maybe distracts from the amount of work that David Beckham put into his football as well yeah there was a few like touch points in the documentary that I thought were done really well like for the first episode starts with the halfway line goal from Wimbledon yeah, yeah. Uh, against Wimbledon I distinctly remember going into school the next day and every kid trying to score <laughs> they do say in the documentary that no one had ever scored a goal like that before I'd like to yeah, see yeah, a cit- sure, that's, yeah. there's a citation needed on yeah, that, that I'm sure uh, was that um it was, I think it was a fan outside the ground, right? Like a Vox Pop. And, yeah. and they said, it's oh, it's never been done. But no, they and actually made a point. They were like, yeah. oh, Pele tried once. Yeah, so that's shot, it. Yeah, shot yeah. Up. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. no way that nobody's ever scored from the halfway line. And there was even him cut, cutting his hair. I remember that was a huge thing. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. I mean, like, kids of my generation as well, getting blonde highlights in the hair. Getting my my, my mum yeah. taught <laughs> me how to do it. I wore it but you um, were in Manchester like this was this was not just the like yeah City were in the third division so it was, uh, yeah, yeah. torturous but, like, but I mean it wasn't just a Manchester thing either like I went oh, to, yeah. I went to school the day after the, the or the weekend after the Mohican thing I went to school when there were kids with Mohican yeah. because David Beckham we all wanted Adidas Predators for Christmas yeah, and yeah. that kind of stuff and yeah he, he, he was iconic and the big real sort of shocking point of the documentary for me was the post 1998 World Cup coverage that he got the treatment he got from the media you know when he got sent, sent off yeah. against Argentina I remember that a bit at the time it's vicious like but you don't back. remember like you don't I mean, either didn't know or don't remember yeah. how I mean the media, the media is pretty toxic nowadays but in a different way I think yeah. like back then fucking hell didn't someone like, hang like an effigy yeah of from outside of from outside of port yeah well the, they, they all had the red cards from at West Ham first game of the season. Someone hung an effigy of him outside a pub and had to like take it down because it was like a public order offence. Yeah. But the media were like sympathetic to this pub landlord. Political correctness <laughs> gone bad. Kind of. A lot of that is really shocking. Like sort of yeah. the way people talked about that red card and stuff. The, the lack of protection. I said lack of protection. Glenn Hoddle stoked the flames yeah. more than anything. But the bit that really shocked me was um, was that first game at West Ham and uh, David Beckham's mum, and she said like, "Oh, like you know, the, the whole stadium's booing and jeering every time he touches the ball," and she was getting quite upset and sort of, I think, said something to someone, um, and she had a West Ham fan offer her out. She was like, <laughs> "He was like, come on then, outside." <laughs> what you want to fight David Beckham's mum? <laughs> she would have took him, I reckon. She would say like she can handle herself. Yeah, I would say though that this. Uh there's a reason that this documentary exists and it's oh, well, yeah. PR'd it's carefully stage managed and there's an awful lot of it where you can tell that they've edited they've like faked the commentary like the, the, some of the commentary yeah. that they've used is way too convenient right. and fake, way too yeah. sort of like a lot of exposition and things there's like a, that there are, just, yeah, there yeah, but, like, but, after the World Cup like there's there's bits about his form suffering and stuff mm. and they like conveniently ignore that he scored on the opening day of the season uh, yeah. against against Leicester like a last minute equaliser yeah. and they made a big deal of like as if he was wrecked by that World Cup and, and I'm sure internally he was but it's not like he like couldn't perform yeah. on the pitch yeah and just having Fisher Stevens from Succession, yeah, it's, crazy, <laughs> yeah, it's, crazy. It, it's just very bizarre. <laughs> and I thought Victoria came across really well. Yeah. It. Like you know, she's often been a bit demonised in the media and stuff, and uh, she came across as uh, very good-natured and well-humoured, but big, not big, working class. Big Spice Girls fan, Alex. Um, Back in the day, I honestly know, but I definitely will be watching the documentary. I've, I've got nothing against Posh Spice. Were you but... a big Spice Girls fan? <laughs> I was. I wouldn't call myself a big Spice Girls. Fan. Favorite Spice Girl. On the spot, <laughs> sporty spice. I was a sporty fan. Yeah, big time, big time, big time. Well, that'll do us for today. <laughs> <I think. laughs> 
go watch the Beckham documentary on Netflix. Uh, enjoy the international football. We'll be back again next week and we'll catch you then. Bye.